Welcome back to the Pine Hills Church Podcast. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors around Pine Hills Church. And this week's episode, we've been continuing this series called Kingdom Come, which has been part of our preview gatherings as we've been gearing up, kind of just practicing setup and tear down and gathering with our community, allowing our community to invite whoever they want to, knowing that we've got some things to work out as we're moving to an every week rhythm for our church gathering. And so that will be on Sundays at 4 p.m. on the south side of Bend, where we've been put by God to to be part of this community and to see God begin to break into this part of Bend and break in through our lives and just to see all that he is going to do in that. Last week we looked at the inbreaking kingdom of God and this week we're looking at knowing the fight, but the teaching text for this week was from Matthew 6, 9 through 13. It's Jesus teaching his followers how to pray. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then also just looking at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, I'm kind of swapping out the word word for Jesus, because that's essentially what the Bible is getting at, that Jesus actually is the full word of God. The Bible is a written word of God, but the word of God is Jesus himself. And so just understanding that, let's start in John 1 verse 1. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. He was with God and he was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Jesus gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And so we're looking at the last phrase from the frame that Jesus gives about how to pray, where he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then also reflecting that Jesus is actually the source of light that is breaking out in darkness. And that the darkness, while it seems so great, cannot ever actually be extinguished because Jesus is winning and Jesus will win, even if that doesn't feel like that that's our present reality. That is what's happening, and that is ultimately what will happen in the end when Jesus returns and puts an end to all that is evil and to set right what is unjust in our current moment. But just to recap last week's episode, if you want to go back to last week's uh, podcast, please go listen to that to catch up. But just to give you a quick refresher, last week we looked at how Jesus teaches us to pray to God as we kicked off this series, Kingdom Come, our Father in Heaven, praise be your name, was a reframing of reality to bring us back to remembrance that we actually stand in relationship if we put our faith in Jesus with God being our Father and us being sons and daughters of God. With all the privileges that are afforded that type of relationship, and we also make space to recognize his blessings in our life. When we say, praise be your name, we're recognizing the things that he's doing in our life. It's an opportunity to say thank you. It's an opportunity to reorient our perspective that God is active in our life. He's not absent, but he's very much here. He's present. He's moving even when we don't actually realize it at times. And so we need to, to rec begin to recognize that, to begin to see his small movements in our life on a daily basis. And we need to recognize that, you know what, he's actually blessing us far more than we know. And oftentimes, sometimes those blessings aren't always received as blessings from us. 
And then the next part of the prayer goes on to, to, to say, God, would you bring an expression of your kingdom here? And would you allow your will to be done here in my life, in my world as it is in heaven? And that's where we spent our bulk of our time in the last podcast and the last Sunday gathering. Essentially, it's meaning, God, would you bring this expression in and through me? Would you allow light to break into the darkness, even the darkness within my own life or heart at times, and begin to break out through me to other people? And for our purposes today, we need to realize that heaven is this place where God's will is done all the time, and earth is this place where God's will is done some of the time. If we all sat back, we would realize that there's all kinds of other things that are at play, and a lot of those things are not in accordance with God's will. So just look at our world. You can see God's will moving at times, but also we see our will moving at times, and your will moving on things at times. And then everyone else's will all at the same time. And even though our modernist minds don't often want to admit it, there are also these other things that we can't quite explain. It seems to be this evil force that is driving things away from things that are actually good and helpful in our world. Which for some of you, there might be alarm bells going off. But I just want you to give me the benefit of a listen in the podcast and just allow God to meet you in the midst of that and lead you in this. And I know even for some people, this reality or thought of God just seems like that might not exist. But we believe that God's intersecting your story. And as we'll learn in this podcast, we believe like who God claims to be actually gets us the closest to what we believe reality to be. And it's actually a really good way to define what is good and what is evil is is to understand who God is and who we are in relationship to God and what's happening in our world. But we'll get more into that. I just want to just recognize the elephant that could be in the room and just want to calm the anxieties. Just give us a listen before you just jump to disagreement because there's sometimes where I even do this where someone's telling me truth, but I'm quick to disagree with them and discredit what they're saying. And so I don't often hear that truth. And so I just need to pull back just a bit and just give the benefit of a lesson and to begin to kind of work that through. And so that's what I want to invite you to even through this podcast. Because I, I believe that we, we need to begin to name reality if, if we don't name the reality that we actually live in, we never can actually live in reality itself. And, and actually defining who God is and who evil is, is actually really helpful because a lot of times if, if we don't do that, then, then we don't actually understand the things that are taking place on a daily basis. We, we don't know how to name these things that are just kind of above us and beyond us. And at the same time, there's things within us that, that are good at times, but actually are not good. And it's just like going to a doctor where there's all these symptoms that are taking place within our bodies. And we don't know quite how it's working out, but we need someone to lovingly come and just help us to diagnose the different things that are happening within us. So that way we can work towards health. And so we want to do that in this series of recognizing the good and the bad. We want to diagnose that bad. So that way, God, God can lead us to a healthier way to live because I think that is his deepest desire is his greatest desire is that the kingdom would break out into our everyday ordinary moments, making them special and sacred. We see this most through Jesus as he came to show us the way to life and showed us that he has the power to actually bring about healing, hope and change 
in our life as he leads us to the fulfillment that we're actually seeking all along. And for those who accept Christ, we experience the kingdom of God breaking into our lives and we are invited to grow in partnership with God to actually bring about expressions of the kingdom across our city. So for the next 21 days as a community, we're setting aside time to pray and to even maybe step into fasting if that's the spiritual rhythm for you over the next 21 days. And if you have questions about that, go to the podcast about 21 days of prayer and fasting, and you can find out more information or what that is and actually find an invitation about how to participate in that in your own life or follow us on our social media or through the newsletter so you can get some prayer prompts for each day about how we can be praying as a community over the next 21 days as we're working towards the launch of this new church gathering that's happening in Bend, Oregon. But we also recognize we're teaching the series of God's breaking out into our world. And Jesus teaches us to to say, God, would you bring about the inbreaking of your kingdom? That's pushing back another kingdom. And if Jesus is teaching us to, to lead us not to temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one, it's recognizing that as God is breaking out into our world, there's something that's actually fighting against God, which is the whole reason of this series. We just want to name what is happening around us so that we're not taken off guard. And as we're even talking about the stuff that's pushing against the kingdom of God, we don't do that to instill a spirit of fear, but to actually put your eyes on Jesus. So that way, when the other stuff happens, you're not surprised by it and it doesn't take you off guard, but it helps refocus your attention even more on Jesus because you know what? Like life in Jesus is so good because he's with us and he's overcome all of this stuff anyway. He's given us the power to overcome. So we don't have to have a spirit of fear, but we can actually walk in peace. And so let's get into it a little bit more. Matthew 6, verse 13, it says, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's where we're spending most of our time here, but we want to define what it is to lead us not to temptation. Because in context, Jesus is asking us to pray, God, would you not lead us into to temptation, which is kind of problematic for me, at least at first glance, because of other passages in the Bible, i.e. James chapter one, verse 13 through 15. It says, and remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is the one that's tempting you. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And so we're tempted by things from within ourselves. God isn't the one doing it because God actually doesn't want us to stumble. And a temptation to define reality is this, like temptation within our hearts is to define reality on our own terms, to reject the authority of God, to participate in things that are actually damaging to our souls and the souls of others. And it starts from within us. And then there's this reality of an evil one who wants to exploit those internal desires and attempt to motivate us to continue to act upon all of these things until we're more defined by the evil one than we are defined by God. And we see this in the first pages of the story of the Bible. Genesis 1 and 2, God creates man and woman, puts them in the garden to be like God, and he gives them everything they need for flourishing. There's only one rule, and the rule is ultimately to sit under the authority of God. And so if God defines this rule, we need to respect that rule. But we see in Genesis 3, an evil one, a.k.a. the tempter, personified as a snake, he slithers into the scene and he starts to speak lies to humans saying, did God really say? And then he exploits this desire for humans to be like God, which is a good desire, but he presents the idea that they can be like God without the authority of God, or to say it another way, to have the benefits of the kingdom without the proper king. 
attempter attempts to do the same thing to Jesus, which is interesting for our conversation. After the baptism of Jesus, which we looked at last week, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the desert, Matthew chapter 4. But unlike humans, unlike Adam and Eve, or mankind and womankind, Jesus isn't fooled by the serpent, by the Satan, by a tempter. He submits to the authority of God over his life. He trusts in God for provision. He doesn't claim authority or power for himself. And so we learn that God will lead us into places where Satan might attempt and trap us through temptation. But Jesus shows us that it's possible to actually overcome these things. Not only that, he gives you the power through his spirit to actually be overcomers. We overcome temptation by this, by belief and trust in God. That we believe in the way that we should be doing life with God. That God actually gets to define reality. He gets to define what's right and wrong. He gets to define where we should go with life and how we spend our life. And we get to trust that God's actually good. He's not actually holding back on us. If God created all of us, I think he has an opinion about how life works best. And so we submit to that relationship and trust in him. And so God leads us through these places where he, he just honestly, he knows that there's no avoiding temptation. So when we pray, God, would you lead us not to temptation? Some of the commentaries are saying, would you just lead us not into a place where we're just like overly tempted or we're overly put in this place where we might make a bad decision that, that gets a little closer to the heart because God recognizes that if we live in this evil world, His will isn't done all the time. We're going to be faced with stuff that isn't God's will. And so we need to make sure, we need to make sure that we're submitting to God, we're following, we're trusting in the Holy Spirit to lead us into all of this. And we need to recognize there are all these different wills that are taking place here on earth. And you might be thinking, well, why is that? Because for one, if God is love and for love to exist, we have to actually be free to use our wills to opt in on the love of God or to opt out on the love of God. And so when that happens, it creates this crazy world, all these different wills. There's our wills, God's wills, other people's. There's this tempter, Satan, evil force that's out there. All of this is taking place. The Bible actually describes it as a war that's happening that we actually don't see all the time. And so when we pray, God, would you would you lead us? Would you lead us in life? And as you're leading us in life, would you... Help us not to fall into these temptations. Help us to know how the enemy is going to attack us. Help us to know the fight. And when we when we walk through that, James 1.12 says this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. There's blessing because every time you face temptation, it is an opportunity to place your belief and trust in God, but it's also an opportunity to prove that what God thinks about you is actually true because God thinks that you are able and capable. God believes things about you that you're even not able to believe about yourself yet. But he sees it in you and he's calling you to a higher life, a better life. And so we, every time we're tempted, we get to place our faith, our trust, our belief in God. And we get to prove God right by saying no to these things that hold us back that entrap us. And as we continue to learn the scriptures, we'll see more and more what it is to to say no to this old nature that's actually leading us to death and not life and say yes to the spirit of God who's actually within us, who connects us with God, who leads us into all truth. 
And so it's a relationship that happens over time. We're not going to have it all perfect. We're not going to have it all figured out, but we get to trust in God and prove him right every time we overcome these things. So let's get back to that prayer. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We get to pray that God would keep us from the things that tempt us and that God would keep us from falling into the traps of the evil one, that we would continue to be a people that he believes that we can be. So cue the ref- reflexes just of, of people even that that are just thinking, man, Aaron, like I'm hearing you out, but you expect me to believe in all of this stuff, especially the stuff I cannot see because I've been shaped by an environment that says if we can't see it and we can't have it repeated, then it must not be true. And so if we're actually going to be honest, there's so much stuff that happens in our world that we can't see. And that we can't have make it repeat itself because we're actually not all powerful beings. And so we need to actually just recognize like there are things beyond us. And for us, we, we believe that's God. And we believe if God is true and God is good and what he's saying here is true, then actually what is evil is true as well in this moment. And, and we need to allow God to define reality. And you know what? I'm honestly not sure what I'm expecting, but I am prayerful because I believe this hits closest to reality because for me, a modernist secular worldview doesn't do anything to actually explain the reality of evil, nor does it actually explain a world that is left uh, to its own devices. Why we see light continuously breaking into darkness. Like it just doesn't get there. It doesn't define evil for me. And actually it doesn't define love for me. It doesn't do much to define much of anything for me. And so for me, God gets the closest to understanding these realities that are all around us all the time. In my experience, what Jesus leads me to trust this, what the scriptures have to offer, what the Bible, a lot of you might be saying, well, you believe in this Bible, like how can you do that? Well, if you're honest about any argument, we're all taking some kind of writing, some theories that are out there and believing them to be gospel truth. For me, it is the Bible. But for me, it also begins with Jesus. It doesn't begin with the Bible. So Evan Wickham, who's an incredible theological thinker, he said this in a podcast, I don't trust in Jesus because of the Bible. I trust in the Bible because I trust in Jesus. And I just love that quote. I love how it's inverted because there's problematic stuff. There's tons of questions that I have about the Bible even. And and a lot of people think that we have to get to 100% ability to 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 see all these things, to prove all these things, actually to have faith, but that's not faith. We just need to get ourselves closest. And I, I believe that the in Jesus, Jesus one is is everything. And because of what I experienced in him, the Bible gets the closest, even though if I have lots of questions about things that are still happening in our world. And so if I believe in Jesus and I can trust in the Bible and what Jesus teaches in the Bible, Jesus teaches over and over in the Bible about the reality of evil, demonic, and Satan. And he names Satan's mission statement. John 10, 10, the thief, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. John Mark Comer says the devil is not in hell. He's actually here on earth. If Jesus's anthem is on earth as it is in heaven, then the devil's is on earth as it is in hell. And so this just defines a reality that we're experiencing where where Satan, this evil thing, is trying to create hell here on earth at the same time God is trying to create heaven on earth where his will is done all the time because his will is actually good and actually leads us to the thing that we're all hoping for anyway. And Jesus, in contrast, he names his mission. 
John 10, 10, B, the very end of that verse, it says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And then Jesus in confronting religious leaders who claim to follow God, but whose hearts were actually far from him, says this in John 8, 42 through 44. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Satan's primary language, according to Jesus, for one, Jesus believes that Satan is true because he teaches this way. But he also teaches that Satan's primary language is lies, and he attempts to distort the voice of God so that people won't follow him. And John Mark Comer goes on to say, For Jesus, the devil is the archetype of a villain who is hell-bent on destruction. He just wants to watch the world burn. His motto, tear it all down, whatever he wherever he finds life, he tries to stamp it out. Beauty, deface it. Love, corrupt it. Unity, fragment into a million pieces. Human flourishing, push it to anarchy or tyranny. Either will do. His anti-life, pro-death, pro-chaos agenda is an insatiable fire. But then he goes on to describe Jesus by saying this. Jesus, on the other hand, is the author of life itself and an advocate for all that is good, beautiful, and true, specifically for love. God is love, and the devil is in rebellion against all that is God. Ergo, his intent to wreck love, one relationship, one community, one nation, one generation at a time. So I, I love this, just really defining really well these two different kingdoms that are clashing here on earth where God's will is not done all the time, but you know what? Satan's will is not done all the time either. And so God is at war, pushing back the curtain of darkness, bringing about hope and life, undoing what the serpent has done, undoing the fragmentation of what God intended for us to live life in relationship with him, to have God at the center of our life. So when Jesus is teaching us this prayer, he's teaching us again to put God at the center of our life, to reframe reality in context of the kingdom and what God is doing and understand our participation in that, that one, God's going to provide whatever we need along the way, but God is also going to, to help us in the midst of this, to stay away from temptation, the things that hold us back and hold us down, the things that we live out that just are untrue about ourselves, that are incongruent with who God has created us to be. And we get to trust that God is going to help us to not fall into the trappings of the evil one. And so we need to define reality. This is reality. And just to blast a little bit more thinking about who Satan was, he's a created being that used his free will free will to lead a rebellion against God. Because again, free, free will, like in order there to be love, we have to opt in on that. And Satan opted out of that, attempting to try to make God, uh, attempting himself to be God. And he and his followers, because Satan's not all powerful, he actually has just a vast army that has followed him in this rebellion. And, and every person that he wins away from the love of God joins that dark army. And that's fighting against, it's leading this rebellion against God, against light. And so Satan is going to use every subversive tactic, tactic that he can from lies. A lot of times the lies that we believe are from Satan. 
are from Satan. And so even those dark thoughts in the middle of the night are, are from Satan. And so we need to confront that with truth. And then other times, he's just very overt with just evil acts that we see destroy lives of us and other people. And so we see subversive things through just all kinds of different institutions and things that hold people back and then overtly through wars and people being murdered and things like that. And so that that's where we see the kingdom of darkness trying to fight against the kingdom of God. But look at this. Jesus has overcome the power of Satan. And he has overcome this by defeating evil on a cross. This is why we can follow Jesus, because he's the only one to actually give us freedom from the evil things that are within our own hearts and within our own world. And he he conquered evil and he conquered death in and of itself. So even if our bodies die, you know what? Our spirits don't. We get to go be with God. And in the, in the meantime, we get to be caught up in the kingdom of God and we get to partner with God and willingly choosing to use our gifts, our talents to help bring an expression of the kingdom all across our city, that other people would come to know him, that light would actually break into darkness. Now that we know what's happened, we can name reality. We know the fight that's happening around the world. How do we fight against it? Well, Peter gives us some explanation on that a bit. In 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11, it says, humble yourselves. We need to humble ourselves to realize that we're not in charge, that the gospel of radical individualism that our country is trying to purport as gospel truth is actually a falsification of what is true and good. So we need to humble ourselves, recognizing that we're not in charge, and we need to put the proper king back in place. Let's keep going. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he actually cares for you. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, Will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And I like how we just need to humble ourselves, recognizing the authority of God over us to give all of the anxieties that, that cue up in our heart, give it all to God. Anytime you feel anxiety or stress, let that be a cue to give that to God in prayer. And then, and then make sure that we're resisting all the things that Satan's trying to do by standing firm against him, by putting into practices things that form us more into the image of Jesus instead of allowing passive things to form us away from the image of Jesus. As John Mark Homer lastly summarizes this, Jesus sees our primary war against the devil as a fight to believe truth over lies. So standing against Satan is to, to begin to learn more about truth and to allow truth to push back all the lies and to allow truth to deconstruct all the lies that we have believed. And Jesus describes himself as a good shepherd, the one who's actually the gatekeeper. So th this is just imagery where at night the shepherds would bring the sheep into a fold, which is just a a small little three-sided barrier with a little tiny door. And so they would lay in front of that door, keeping the wolves from coming in, defending the sheep from being from dying at night, keeping them safe. And Jesus is saying, this is who he is. He's the one who's willing to lay at the gate, to push back everything else, to fight against the stuff that is trying to kill you in life. Because you know what Satan is trying to, to steal and to kill and to destroy you. And so we need to trust in Jesus. He's the only one who's doing that. And he's the only one who has the power to do that. 
And so we need to trust in him. And it's actually like a shepherd, the sheep know his voice. And as we get in the scriptures, learn more about the character and nature of Jesus, we get to understand more and more his voice and to deny the voice of the enemy. So this is ways that we can practice this this week is one is beginning to just believe and trust in the grace that is actually on offer from Jesus. What he's saying is actually true. And then you can inhabit some practices that form you more into the image of Jesus, namely through prayer and scripture, by either praying this Lord's Prayer as a frame for Matthew 6, praying this in your own words, just using it as a as a guide, or praying, praying and reading through scripture every day and memorizing key verses that just stick out and are powerful for your story. Write those on the walls, put them on your mirrors, like memorize them, get them into your heart, and then consistently be committed to community. It says this, like Satan is trying to, trying to hunt you off. That's what Peter says. He says, be be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. How do lions, how do they hunt? They try to get people away from the pack. And so when you disconnect from community, you actually disconnect from the thing that God wants to use to help shape you and form you into who he wants you to become. And then just beginning to name lies. Go get a journal and name out what are the most powerful lies that I believe. And then in prayer, say, God, if I believe this lie, what is the truth? What is the truth? What do you say about this lie? And then write out the truth. And if you can connect that to a scripture, memorize that scripture. And if you need any help with that, please just reach out. We love to continue the conversation. But again, we just want to name what is happening around us. We don't want you to be fearful of that. We want you to trust in Jesus, that he is good and he's faithful and he is leading each and every one of us in this. But we just appreciate you. Thank you for being part of the podcast. We hope to continue this conversation this next week. But if you need anything, reach out through pinehillschurch.org. Love you and appreciate you. Thank you for being with us. Bye. (music) 